Welcome to Rob's Reliability Project, a podcast for reliability people to better themselves, both at work and at home. Now let's get rolling. Hey guys, welcome back to Rob's Reliability Project. I'm Rob Kalvaroski. On this week's episode, I welcome on LaWayne Smith to talk about my new role in asset management, the relationship between asset management and reliability, and the parallels between reliability and water polo. If you haven't yet, check out my website, robsreliability.com, and sign up for my weekly reliability newsletter with some bonus content. And if you like the show, please tell your colleagues about it and follow Rob's Reliability Project on LinkedIn. I apologize lately with the audio quality. There's been a lot of clicking and then some other... In this episode, I'll, I'm using my headset with my phone instead of my laptop. Um, I've kind of distilled it down to a laptop problem, so I'm going to be sourcing a new laptop shortly. In the meantime, going forward, I'll be trying out a few different methods. I'll be recording the audio interview probably three different ways on three different devices, and I'll be selecting the best audio to keep it better than it's been, I guess, in the last month. So I just wanted to check in with you guys. I know there's a problem and I'm working on fixing it. So I I appreciate you sticking with me and I promise that next week's interview will be better. That being said, thanks for listening. Now a message from Upkeep. Do you want a better reliability program? Do you want better data quality in your CMMS? Well, having frustrated and overworked shop floor people isn't the way to get that great reliability program. Often we make our mechanics, millwrights, and operators do paper rounds and then transcribe that information into a desktop CMMS. This causes more frustration and will likely lose data quality in that process. So why don't we try something different? Upkeep Maintenance Management is different. It's a mobile-first CMMS that takes the work out of work orders with its easy-to-use mobile application. With a snap of a picture and just a few keystrokes on your mobile device, you can update work orders in a matter of seconds. Upkeep is a mobile-first CMMS designed to be easy for your maintenance personnel. So easy, it was voted number one for ease of use by maintenance teams. Rob's Reliability Project has partnered with Upkeep to not only give you a great mobile-first CMMS, but also if you purchase an annual subscription, you get one month free and a bonus one-hour free coaching call with me. Make your reliability program better and make your text lives easier by going to robsreliability.com slash upkeep and sign up today. Hey guys, I'm here with LaWayne Smith. LaWayne's back. Last time he was on, he is, just so you know, he is the asset manager at the University of Kansas Medical Center. LaWayne, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing great, Rob. Thanks for asking, buddy. No, thanks for coming on, and and just w- we got to get into this. So we're about a week 
late, I guess, on the recording. And what happened last time was, you know, you had to cancel, which was not part of your own fault, but you had a failure situation at your house. So what happened? Yeah, I did. Uh, so the, the water tank sprung a leak and uh, water was all over the basement. But thankfully, it's the summertime. The kids are out of school and my 16-year-old son caught it just in time. So there you go. There's a, like it did fail, but you had a good risk mitigation strategy and it sounded like nothing really too bad happened. <laughs> yeah. Think, thankfully he, uh, he was smart enough to get the uh, wet dry vac and turn that sucker on and suck up the water as the tank was emptying. And of course, you know, I told him where the isolation valve is to, uh, shut the water off going to the water heater. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's funny. Like, I always joke that, you know, as reliability people, you know, we, we spend a lot of our time talking about preventative maintenance and predictive maintenance, and yet everything in our house is run to failure. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. Why is that? I don't know. But, but at the end, you know, I always end up fixing my stuff with WD-40 or duct tape. So it's, I'm not doing precision maintenance either. <laughs> That's funny. Well, maybe Screwy will come help you next time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I guess this today, like Luane's coming on, he's going to, he's going to actually put me to the test again. So Luane, I'll let you kick it off for, for us. Okay. Uh, again, thanks a lot for having me on and, um, I guess I'll get started. I, I know you have an engineering degree, but what really got you interested in the maintenance and reliability community? Yeah. So I guess I'll, I'll tell you guys the whole story. So I'm like, I'm a mechanical engineer. My parents both were economists um, my mom actually did, she kind of did statistical marketing before it was a thing. Um, and so I kind of come from this framework where I think very, I, I think a lot about economics. Like I think about life cycle cost. I think about, you know, optimizing costs and making sure everything runs well. And I actually started, I did my co-op terms at HDR Incorporated and they're they're a company, and we what we did for them was we were doing cost-benefit analysis on large infrastructure projects. And so I was looking at stuff like building new train rails, um, was it constructing a mental health hospital, stuff like that. And when I got into reliability with like my first kind of engineering job, which was tech, um, Jeff Smith hired me and. I always kind of looked at reliability through this lens of the economic side. And so to me, it wasn't really like, like I never learned reliability in school as most, I assume most people listening haven't either. And so it was really just like, I was looking for an engineering job. I had a mechanical engineering degree. I got hired as a reliability engineer and it actually worked out well because I think that Mechanical engineers, a lot of what they do, they don't ever consider the economic side of the world where us and reliability, like that's, that's one thing that we do a lot. Mm -hmm.
So, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's like that's that sort of got got me going in in uh, in the reliability community. And then, yeah. And then I guess fast forward is what I were. I worked about three years in mining and then I moved into a reliability consulting role, did that for about five years. And then in about mid July, I started an asset management role with Enbridge um, caveat disclaimer, everything I say from now going forward is my personal opinion. Well, it's always been, it's always been my personal opinion, but it's my personal opinion and it's not the, the uh, it's not the voice of Enbridge either. So yeah. So now I've started recently with Enbridge um, looking in the asset management and we're really dealing with life cycle cost stuff. So life cycle plans for assets and then the other side of the role right now is kind of thinking in this more conceptualized way where we're looking at systems and processes to set up asset management kind of going forward. Gotcha. So, I so, don't know if you have a lot of – sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to ask you. So um, was this philosophy of your new company relatively new? Like they thought about it and said, hey, we need to hire somebody to help us with this. Or was it something that when you started, you kind of communicated it and said, hey, we need to talk about, you know, asset management, lifecycle cost, et cetera? Yeah, so they've been, I mean, they've been operating for at least 50 years. I think some of the assets are close to 70, 80 years old. Oh, wow. Uh, so they've been around a long time. They're, they're a huge company. The like the pipelines we're looking at range from northern Alberta to Houston, and then a little bit, um, like a little bit to the eastern Canada, and then a little bit to the Midwest. So, like large company, they've been operating a long time, and they have been thinking about you know asset management. Mm -hmm. But I think that the they hired me because they're looking to like they have this kind of this new department in the one of the business units and so they're looking at really strengthening that part of you know the these specific equipment that we're dealing with gotcha so you're probably heavily involved in the ISO 14224 kind of framework then this new company right now we're looking at ISO 55000 55001 and 2 okay and then also some of the, um, there's like the, I think it's the G fam or something. It's like where the ISO committee partnered with like SMRP and PMAC and a couple, a, a couple of these kind of similar organizations in Australia and around the world. And they kind of put together sort of an asset management overview document. Okay. Very good. So you kind of briefly touched on it, but what, what really keeps you active in the reliability community? I would say this, this show really like this, this show. I mean, I get to talk to great people like you every week <laughs> or well, well, thank you. Usually, usually I front load them, but, but I mean, I essentially I'm talking to great people every week and you know, I get to, I get to learn stuff all the time. And then, you know, the LinkedIn platform is another great thing. So like, obviously I post multiple times a day and I'm interacting with everyone who comments. So, you know, it really keeps me engaged. 
Okay. Very good. Very good. Well, let's see here. So you touched on how you got your start in asset management. But in your opinion, how closely related do you think asset management and reliability are? Yeah. So to me, reliability, like asset management to me is kind of thinking of reliability at a little bit of a higher level. So the way this is kind of how I interpret it, it's probably wrong, but we'll go with it. So, <laughs> so when I think of reliability, I think about, you know, we look at equipment level, we look at functions, we look at components, you know, we kind of consider everything, not exactly as, as an individual, Mm -hmm. but almost as like an individual piece of equipment. Maybe if we get a little bit higher, we think about it in terms of a system of equipment. So like if we're looking at, you know, two pumps in series or something like that, right? Yeah. But to me, it's, it's very focused on the equipment level where asset management, it's, it's almost like, to me, it's like you're looking at a systems level, you're looking at a policy and procedures type level. So to me, it's like, it's almost like taking reliability to the boardroom or, or it's like if you were, you know, a startup founder and you had a team of one and you were doing all the work, that's reliability. But then when you start hiring people and, you know, now maybe you're managing a team of 20 people, you have to think more at an asset management level where you're not able to execute everything. You have to really set up the systems so then people can execute without you. That's kind of how I think about it. Yeah, I, I think you're right on. I, I know for me here, you know, communicating asset management reliability, uh, you know, I got to break it down to this, you know, where reliability is a part of asset management. Yeah. So, you know, you have to document your plans and, and procedures, um, well, not procedures, but like your plans on how you're going to manage assets. But then when you get down to the classification of the asset level, that's where we could start throwing in reliability, you know, whether it's RCM or PMO or whatever. But um, yeah, sometimes it's how you communicate it to your tech specifically. I know that. That's good. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, to me, it's it's kind of funny, right? Like in my new position, um, I actually, like the reliability department is, like it, they provide work for me. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's kind of funny. So it's like, I'm going to the reliability engineer and I'm like, you know, I need you to do some, you know, Weibull calculations and this. And, and you, when they come back, they try to explain everything. It's like, yeah, I know how this all works. Just like give me the answer and I'm good. <laughs> so they don't know where you came from then. Yeah, they start, they're, they're starting to. So Okay, good, good. Yeah, it's, it's just it was funny the first time the, the one guy was explaining to me like what a Y-bull curve was and what beta meant and Aiden. I was like, yeah, I know I got it. Like, let's, let's get to the results. <laughs> uh, well, that's good. It, I think, uh, it, you know, this will give you an opportunity to do some, you know, toolbox talks, if you will, with the reliability department, you know, to kind of 
you know, explain where you came from and, you know, kind of your thoughts on stuff. Um, kind of use that, that synergy, if you will, between you and the other department to kind of make the organization better. Yeah. Using no, your experiences and theirs too, you know? Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, it's funny, right? Like, I guess, I guess we kind of deal more in the, I guess there's, I, I really see there's sort of two parts of the reliability world, right? Like there's, there's the reliability, they're kind of the design for reliability types or the, um, you know, the, the ASQ CRE type. So like the American Society for Quality, mm -hmm. uh, you know, CRE types. And then there's the maintenance and reliability, like your CMRP types. Yeah. And they're like a lot of the people I work with They're, I mean, most of them are CRE certified and they're, but they haven't really spent a lot of time doing stuff like RCM or root cause analysis. So it's like really interesting to see that different background and like the stuff that we probably perceive as obvious, they, they just haven't gotten to that, like that point of view yet. They're more on, I guess, well, they do a lot more math than we ever did. Mm -hmm. I tell you, that's, that's one of the struggles I have in reliability is all the math. <laughs> it's never been my strong point growing up. And now it's like, Oh, I'm in a position where I have to use math. Great. <laughs> uh, very good. Very good. Well, I mean, if you need any help with math, definitely hit me up. Or the other thing is, is check out ascendoreliability.com because Fred, Fred, I mean, he is, to me, he's probably the, one of the most well-known kind of math reliability guys in the world. Okay. I'll keep that in mind because I stink so bad, I would, I'll have to uh, definitely reach out. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, let's see here. Another question I have for you. Um, what do you wish, like, the maintenance and reliability community, uh, what do you wish they were better able to communicate to the community as a whole um, whether it's to management or stakeholders or something like that, um, like how can we do a better job communicating to the stakeholders and management about reliability? I guess I could summarize yeah. it like that. It, this one is a tough one for me. Like, I think that as a community, we're not very good communicators. Um, I mean, myself included, like when I started my career, I had a lot of problems with explaining, you know, like I was doing some failure predictions, I was doing some Weibull analysis, um, and I wasn't able to communicate it well enough to people around me, so they would buy into the concepts. Mm -hmm. And and I think that kind of applies, and, and it, it applies not only to, you know, doing reliability math, but it also applies to like root cause analysis, you know, RCM, any predictive maintenance stuff. Like we, we tend to get into the nuts and bolts of it. Like, Hey, well, this thing's functionally failed. Oh, the decibel levels are climbing. You know, this one has, you know, these vibration readings, they show that the motors in an imbalance and, and like, 
our managers don't care about that. Probably they may not even know what that stuff means. Yeah. And it's like for us, we need to learn how to communicate in their point of view. I I agree. Um, I, I you know I, I struggle with communicating it as well. Um, and I, I know you had um, the Reliability X guys on a couple podcasts ago, and like Joe Anderson broke it down in, um, you know, you got to communicate it like the money side or the business side to, you know, like the management or the stakeholders, if you will. But when you're talking to the techs, you know, you can kind of communicate it in the technical aspect, you know, and um, just how we got to do a better job of doing that, if you will. Yeah, no, it's, it's true. And it's, I mean, it's a theme that's come up a lot of times in the show. Like I know Peter Horsberg talked about it. Yeah. Bob Latino talked about it. Sean Miller, actually Sean Miller's. So he's his, his example or the way he put it was, was my favorite. And so Sean Miller, he's um, he works for UE systems and he, um, he teaches, you know, ultrasound across, at least across Canada. And so what he says is when he teaches predictive maintenance, he teaches it and he likes to talk about um, the benefits of reliability. He uses golf time. And so the way he explains it is he likes to play golf. And when he says that if you're doing predictive maintenance and you can plan and schedule your work or your maintenance, you'll get more golf time. You won't get those unexpected failures on the weekend or at night when, you know, you should be golfing, but you get that phone call when you're midway through hole number two mm-hmm. and, <laughs> and you got to come in. And and so it's like that, that one is like, to me, that's very tangible. Like I, I don't even really play golf, but you know, it's, it's something that, you know, you can relate to because maybe for you it's family time or maybe it's, you know, for me, maybe it's water polo time, you know, mm-hmm. like it's stuff like that. Yeah. But it makes a lot of sense. It does make a lot of sense. I, I know personally, and this is an attempt at um, a, a joke, if you will, but I don't play golf. But when I do go play golf, it's, um, you know, a bunch <laughs> of friends going together to play some golf. And so you get, you know, the golf cart cooler of beer. And so, you know, you may be a couple beers in if you get that phone call, hey, we have a catastrophic failure over here. That's never a good thing. <laughs> well, I mean, it's like when you're playing golf, you're just driving around with beer, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's what I do anyway. So if, if the <laughs> listeners, if you guys are avid golfers, I apologize for my bad attempt at a joke, but I don't play golf and that's the only way you can get me out to the golf course. You have to tempt me with some beer. (laughs) Uh, That's funny. That's funny. All right. Um, Very good question. Very good answers. Okay. So um, with this maintenance and reliability community that we're a part of, um, you have this podcast. And so regardless of the content of who is being interviewed, what do you hope the listeners take away from every podcast? 
Yeah, so this is a tough one, right? Because every guest I have on, my goal is they're an expert in something. And I'm hoping to get the best information out of them on that specific topic. But I think that, you know, but I think that we kind of come back to a lot of key messages all the time. You know, one of them we just talked about, right, with the communication, like you have to communicate in a way that you're that's specific to your audience yes. and not just in the way that you understand it. Um, but I mean, other other messages that that keep coming up and, and that are things that I want to push is, you know, focus on building a great culture. And the way you do that is by building relationships with people that you work with. Good point. And that I is, agree. yeah. And that's like a, um, you know, like it, 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 whether it's artificial intelligence and machine learning and the IIoT, like that stuff's all cool. But if you're, you know, a lot of the reasons those technologies don't actually work and it's the same thing, you know, like that's a, those technologies are kind of similar to RCM or root cause analysis. Like those projects, the reason they fail is not because the technology or the project sucks. It's because you didn't implement it right. And yeah. you didn't, you know, focus on the people, you didn't focus on the culture. And if you're listening to this, actually one that, um, you know, one of the episodes that we talked essentially just about this was uh, with Michelle Ledette Henley. So if you're looking back in the archives, check that one out. And we talk about, you know, how do you get people to buy into your initiatives and really get stuff implemented? Yeah, I, I agree. The culture piece definitely is um, really the foundation that you start off with. Uh, because if you just start implementing stuff, without involving others, um, they can fail and, and fail pretty bad. And then it, it it's hard to, to, um, you know, try an implementation again, you know, because they'll remember, Hey, well, it failed the last time. So it's going to fail this time. And so definitely, definitely get your people involved and, you know, try to evolve the culture, not really change it, you know, evolve it to, the reliability thinking, if you will, that's those good points, yeah. Rob. Very good points. No, I, and like I definitely agree. And like, why don't like while we're while we're on it, like, what's the size of your team, and like, what are the people that are working with you? Um, there's a, I think 105 people in the maintenance department. Last count, plus or minus two. Um. And then, of course, being broken down and, you know, projects team or maintenance teams um, and then a business office and, you know, storeroom and like a dispatch type thing. Um, so I know for me, understanding each one of those different areas, what their role is to our organizational mission. Uh, and then, of course, our facilities mission and, you know, trying to. Uh, you know, communicate to the projects team about, you know, hey, let's let's talk about the design and the the creation or the um, acquiring of this equipment, and let's let's 
think about the, you know, the different failures we can have in this, you know. Um, but if I talk to my maintenance staff, it's okay, hey, how are we like operating this? How are we maintaining it? Let's look at, you know, uh, our job tasks that we're doing on our preventative action type level. Um, you know, if I'm talking to our facility coordinators, which is like our dispatch people, you know, they take all the phone calls and, and emails and stuff for the work request. But for them, I have to communicate it in, you know, a bigger type picture, you know. Um, anyway, I can ramble on about that one. But yeah, I just I, I find myself, you know, like morphing to their role when I'm communicating this stuff. And I think um, like as with you, with your listeners of the podcast, you know, I kind of want them to take something valuable of what we're trying to do holistically. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I, I think that that like that to me, that's the, that's the asset management piece. Yeah. Right. Like reliability and asset management. It's the same thing. I had this discussion um, with a podcast that I'm not sure if it's going to come out before or after this one, but it was with Shadrach Stevens and he's the reliability improvement leader at Dow. And what we were talking about was he was saying that like continuous improvement and reliability, like, yes, they're two different things. And, and I was like, I was like, well, you know, like, I don't really care what you call, whatever you call it mm -hmm. at the end of the day, like, what are we out to do? We're out to make our company not only like serve the customer better, but more profitable, better productivity, safer, more environmentally friendly, like all these types of things. And at the end of the day, whatever technique you use, whether that's Six Sigma, Kazen, RCM, uh, you know, like ISO 55,000, like whatever, whatever you want to box you want to put it in, it doesn't really matter as long as you're delivering value to your company, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You still there? Yes, sir. Okay. Sorry about that. I heard a little crackle in my headpiece here. Nope. No problem. All right. Um, well, this is a kind of off the wall question here. But what is your favorite hobby? Because I'm sure the listeners want to get to know Rob a little better. I know I do. <laughs> yeah, so my hobby, I mean, a lot of you, at least people who have subscribed to the, to the newsletter would know is, is my favorite hobby is water polo. So I've played since I've been about 9 or 10 years old. Um, I played up through high school. I was on the junior national team in Canada. We won a national championship. Uh, played in, yeah, played in college at MIT, and then now I play not not nearly as competitive as I used to, but I play twice a week. So it's it's what I look forward to every every Saturday morning. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. So, how do you think, um, like water polo and reliability? Uh, what do they share? It's probably a difficult yeah, so, question. 
No, no, it's actually a good question. So it's it's something that I've kind of touched on a little bit before. And really, I think there's a few things. Like one is, you know, the value of having a great coach. And so for me, like I, I've been lucky enough through my water polo career of being coached by a few Olympians. And, you know, when I started off in reliability, I was coached by Jeff Smith who's, you know, a rock star in reliability as well. Mm -hmm. And so, and like now, you know, like you can enter, like I'm interfacing, like, like you mentioned, like the reliability X guys, George Williams, Joe Anderson, those guys are great. You know, Ricky Smith has come on the podcast. Bob Latino has come on the podcast. Nancy Regan, like, like pretty much everyone who's come on the show has been absolutely incredible. And it's like, you know, that, that, is is huge value add another thing that i think about that's that's a transition is you know it's a team sport and you're all striving towards hopefully you're all striving towards the same goal which is winning the game or winning a championship or whatever yeah and you know you may rely on your coach to be a leader but you actually need leaders that are not the coach Right. So you need a player to step up and be a leader. And that's something that you'll see like in an organization. Right. And Joe Anderson talks about this a lot. Right. Is, you know, you don't have to be the manager to be the leader. Correct. And so that's another good point that people should think about is, you know, it's like you may be the bottom of the totem pole in your organization. Like if you're just a new engineer or you're a new, you know, maybe you're, Uh, you just got put into a reliability role and you didn't know, like you you don't know much about reliability, but you know, you can still learn stuff and teach people and help people. And, you know, it's more about your actions than it is your title. I agree. Good points. Um, I I definitely like the way you tied, uh, you know, every reliability program or journey um, does take that coach or that leader and you know sometimes they could be the same person and you know most other circumstances you know they're not you know you may have that that well qualified coach that will coach i'll put it in in my scenario and hopefully people can understand this but um you know i'm not the coach but i'm the champion of reliability so i try to be that reliability leader but in another organization, um, you know, that reliability leader, if you will, could also be the manager or the coach where they're communicating. And those roles kind of cross over, I guess you can say. It, you know, it really doesn't matter what type of organization you're in, you know, yeah. because leaders are going to coach anyway, right? So you may not have that title of coach or manager, but we're all going to coach anyway as leaders. Yeah, I, I agree a hundred percent. And like, I've seen a lot, like some of the best reliability or lubrication programs I've seen have been, you know, it's really been a champion and the champion in most cases was, you know, the lubrication specialist or the reliability specialist. And they were the bottom of the rung. Right. Yeah. But they're providing that, 
leadership for, you know, with the shop floor guys, with the managers, they're providing that to their organization. And they're the reasons why their program's so successful. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Very good. Uh, well, Rob, that's really all the questions I had for you. Um, so first of all, I just want to say thank you for allowing me the opportunity uh, to join you here on your show and and ask you some questions for once, put you on the other side of the fence and share some of your, uh, you know, your thoughts and words of advice and uh, an opportunity to kind of get to know you a little better as well. So I thank you for that. No, I, th- I, th- I thank you for coming on again. And I guess, you know, just to wrap it up here. Uh, do you have anything to plug? Um, SMR keep, SMRP conference in October. I'll be attending that. So I hope to see a lot of you guys who are out there listening there. And that's all on my agenda so far. Yeah, so if you're at the SMRP, I know uh, I was just talking on LinkedIn with like Paul Crocker will be there, but you've already, you probably already yep, know that. I sure do. He's, but, he's my brother from another mother. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, Michelle will be there th- as well. And she's doing a talk and definitely, definitely hook up with her and make sure that, you know, you ask her about how to implement projects because she definitely has a lot of great information on that. Okay. Yeah. I plan on doing a lot of networking there because there's a lot of people that know a lot more than I do. So having the opportunity to learn from these people would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it's all, you know, that's, that's, the, that's the one thing, right? It's, it's all about learning and it, and it's one thing it's like, like this podcast, I've said it on, actually I've said it on uh, the reliability X podcast was like, I have a really hard time reading reliability books. Mm-hmm. And, but, but like, as you know, like I listen to a ton of podcasts, like I probably listen, I don't know, three or four hours of podcasts a day. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's like, for me, starting this podcast was really just an excuse to, instead of having to read, you know, root cause analysis book, I just had Bob Latino on the podcast and I asked him (laughs) what I wanted to know. Uh, That's a good approach though. There's nothing wrong with it. You know, right. And, and it's like, it doesn't like, you know, and, and even, you know, buying new microphones and doing all this stuff. Like, I think I still have spent less than one conference. Yeah. So it's like, you're in the green and, and it's been like, it's been amazing. Awesome. So, yeah, I mean, for me, in terms of what I got coming up, um, I got the main train conference in Edmonton mid-September. Uh, so depending on when this comes out, it may be in a week or two, or you may have missed me already. And then that's all I got for the rest of the year. Very good. Awesome. So, Luane, I appreciate you coming on. Well, thanks for having me, Rob. I greatly appreciate it. No, I, I appreciate you coming on, and I appreciate everyone listening. As I, you know, as I say it every time, I think actually recently we've just crossed a pretty much 200 listens per week, at least per episode per week. So I think we're averaging like 200 listens a week now. 
and it's it's more than I kind of expected when I started. So I'm blown away, and we're gonna keep rolling. So I hope everyone keeps listening. Yeah, congratulations on that, man. Keep up the great work. <laughs> <laughs> it's not me. It's it's all other people. <laughs> yeah, you're generating interest though, and people want to listen when you do that. <laughs> It's, it's classic reliability, right? Like you're not the content. You just elicit the subject matter experts and then you kind of just package it and put it out there. Exactly. <laughs> all right, everyone. I appreciate you guys listening and we'll see you all next week.